0: Welcome to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix, where each month we focus on IT innovations that are moving federal agencies forward. Here's your host, Jason Miller, with Chris Howard, Vice President of U.S. Public Sector
1: for Nutanix. Welcome to Episode 2. Chris, you survived New Orleans and the next conference, so uh, welcome back from New Orleans. I imagine the next conference was a lot of fun.
2: It was, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today.
1: So, of course, Chris is Chris Howard, the Vice President of Public Sector for Nutanix. Now, Chris, I'm going to remind you, at the end of Episode 1, I gave you a little bit of homework. Now, uh, do you remember the homework?
2: Uh, I do not.
1: (laughs) I'm only a little disappointed. This was a very important homework. I asked you, tell me the best beignets in New Orleans. Did you find the best beignets in New Orleans?
2: one of my coworkers did find the best beignets and I did not try one and I cannot recall the name of the, uh, the place where he got them, but they were quite popular amongst the team. But I, did, I didn't have any.
1: Well, uh, I will say only this, that uh, I'm only a little disappointed that you uh, didn't bring us back any, but uh, at least you almost uh, did well in the homework. So thank you for that. Uh, as I mentioned, this is episode two of the new show, the it innovation insider, where we focus our discussion on emerging technologies and trends that are moving federal agencies toward a more secure and modernized future. Now, well, today, Chris, you're being joined by Ben Gibson, the chief marketing officer for Nutanix. And now that we have all this introductions out of the way, let's talk technology. Let's talk cloud and, and a new concept that Nutanix is, is excited about called Freedom. And that's where our other guest comes in, Ben Gibson. Nutanix recently launched this new concept, Freedom, a concept you guys have been really thinking about a lot lately maybe discuss what is this concept of freedom and why should you know, IT professionals care about it?
0: Freedom is an expanding conversation for Nutanix into the market. And the idea is really centered around how can we free our customers from a lot of the complexity, a lot of the legacy challenges that were in place with the data centers that they may have architected over a decade ago or even longer. And so at the heart of this campaign, it's about how do we give our customers freedom to build and modernize the data center they always wanted to build or the freedom to run the workloads that they want to run where they want to run them, whether it be on their own private cloud or even into a public cloud. And it's about the freedom to make those decisions freed up with simplicity and also with the knowledge in terms of what's the most cost-effective data center platform or cloud platform to run different applications on.
1: In many ways, what you're trying to do is make it like electricity, which is a utility. I can plug my coffee machine in. I can plug my hairdryer in anywhere I want because it's all the same, meaning the electricity. So it's almost like it's it's that utility discussion we've heard so much about cloud over the years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, the way I like to – along the lines of freedom, I like to think about what we're trying to achieve with our innovation with our customers is the democratization of clouds. And I think there's no doubt that large organizations and institutions are moving towards hybrid cloud environments. Well, they will have some critical workloads that run within their own data center environment, ideally modernized. Uh, there will be others they decide to run in public cloud provider A, public cloud provider B, et cetera. And the whole idea is not only to make that as easy as possible, Uh, we like to talk about one click, with one click to be able to manage applications and application mobility across different cloud environments, but... Also, it's about making informed choices. Uh, Every workload has cost implications dependent on which cloud it runs on. And the more we can provide that visibility into that kind of information, the smarter our customers become, the more informed decisions they make, and ultimately, they can impact both top and bottom line for their organization's
1: operations. It's interesting you talk about the democratization of the cloud, because the other piece of this is, and this is where I think the freedom concept also plays well is this idea of today I'm going to be in a private cloud, but tomorrow I may be in a, in a public cloud, and the next day I gonna maybe want to move it back. So you have that ability to do that without having to worry about, okay, will it work? Won't it work? What's the portability issues? Uh, I think that plays into that because the needs change over time, and especially as we see the different clouds become more secure, and there's a more, if you will, comfortability around the security of clouds. The viewpoints change as well, so you can't be locked in, if you will.
0: The way we see it, public clouds can potentially loom as the next great lock-in threat. Every cloud environment has its own set of APIs, has its own set of security implementation and the like. And if you get locked into one particular cloud from a security standpoint, from a cost standpoint, it can present some rather new challenges. And so the way we like to think about it, a lot of what we built our company around is hyperconvergence of storage network compute. And for us, that was really chapter one. The next ch- chapter is how do we hyperconverge clouds, and so we can achieve just what you brought up, Jason, and that is to be able to provide that simple one-click, be able to move a workload from a public cloud if it gets developed out there and move it into a private cloud once you're ready to roll that into production, or vice versa to be able to take a private cloud-based workload and at some point maybe a more elastic workload and move that into a public cloud of choice, but not just to move it there, but to do so with information. So what is the cost implication of moving to a certain cloud provider? What are the SLAs? What are the latency requirements and performance and the like? So we think that's an opportunity for an IT organization to reclaim some strategic control, if you will, over what in many cases has become you know, a bit of an uncontrollable environment with a lot of different organizations firing up a new workload and a new public cloud platform at any
1: given time. I know Chris will dig into this maybe a little bit deeper, but from your perspective, what does freedom really mean to a customer? It's not just this idea of moving and the agility and flexibility, but what is Nutanix doing to really promote or or push this concept of freedom? Give me maybe a a little next level down from your perspective of what this really means for one of your customers or because, you know, we talk about federal agencies all the time. Time. What would, what may it mean for federal agencies?
0: Our freedom campaign. It's a brand campaign, but it's also a, we'd like to think of it as a promise of what a customer can enjoy or experience if they partner with us. And we have five key concepts as part of the freedom campaign. One is freedom to build. So that's about modernizing your data center environment, taking advantage of hyperconvergent solutions that radically simplifies what used to be a very complex three-tier data center architecture environment. It was too costly, uh, it cost a lot of money, and it took a lot of IT professionals' time and energy that otherwise could have been spent on more productive pursuits instead of maintenance of legacy infrastructure. So freedom to build, freedom to run the applications where they so choose. And that's what we just talked about in terms of application mobility across different cloud environments. Also freedom to cloud. And we're kind of using cloud as a verb here to make those decisions and almost have a brokering environment where you can determine the best price and the best performance of where you want to move your applications. And there are two more that I think are more about the the human side of our, you know, the humans on the other end that are having to deal with all this one is freedom to invent. I think it's the reason why IT professionals got into this business in the first place and that is to create or invent new things. It's hard to do so if you're really busy maintaining a lot of complex legacy infrastructure. And so freedom to invent's a big concept. And the last one is really based on what we hear a lot from our customers when they deploy our solutions, that is freedom to play. And my favorite quote from one of our customers is, you gave me my weekends back. And so part of the promise we'd like to see with our uh, brand and with our experience with our customers is that uh, they have some better work lifestyle balance, right? That they're not always being called in on weekends with some kind of availability issue. Instead, because of radically simplifying their private cloud and even moving into hybrid cloud environments, they have time to have fun. So you bring that all together, and that's the broader idea, if you segment it out, of what our Freedom Campaign is all about.
1: We have to take a break. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix, on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM.
3: A recent survey revealed that at least 50% of federal agencies are using multiple clouds in their IT environment. Combine that with the legacy infrastructure that most agencies still use, and you can imagine the complexity and the limitations of such an environment. But federal agencies are adopting Nutanix to simplify and manage this complexity. Nutanix software-driven infrastructure and enterprise cloud give IT freedom from complexity, freedom to work with any cloud, to run any application at the scale they need, to use whatever to technology stack suits them and to invent the technology that will move their mission forward. To learn more about how Nutanix is helping organizations simplify their IT environments, visit nutanix.com/freedom. Welcome back to you're listening to the IT Innovation Insider sponsored by
1: Nutanix on federalradio.com and 1500 a.m. I'm Jason Miller. My guest today, Ben Gibson, the Chief Marketing Officer for Nutanix. Now there's a big push across the federal market about it for IT modernization. Let me in this as well about industry and what are you seeing in industry that kind of gave Nutanix this idea that, hey, we can go down this path because that's what the trends, that's the path of industry, that's the path of government is leading us down. Do you see kind of some of those trends that, that as the impetus for this freedom campaign?
0: We work with many federal government institutions that are looking to modernize their cloud infrastructure environments. And a big trend is that you're starting to see more distributed architectures. So part of the idea here is move enterprise compute and services and the consumption of enterprise compute make that as public cloud like as possible but also be able to deploy that enterprise compute capability where the workloads are happening, where the processing needs to happen. That could be in a field environment. That could be in different data center environments on-premise. It could be in a remote office or or branch office environment. There's so many different locations that increasingly, for reasons of laws of uh, physics, laws of economics, if you will, that we're seeing more and more institutions want to distribute their cloud capabilities, but they need a common operating system, if you will, to manage across this increasingly distributed array of clouds. And so that definitely is a trend we're seeing in the federal government space, but not just in the public sector. We're seeing that across many different industries, where as the endpoints evolve from P C to mobile to now Internet of Things. We see customers really thinking about how they distribute their architecture and make sure in the process they don't make things exponentially more complicated. And so that's the kind of challenges we feel we're really able to solve with this single operating system concept across different cloud environments.
1: And I think one of the things that that is really attractive, I think, to a lot of people about getting away from data centers is, as you mentioned, the cost, the people watching the blinking lights. The Trump administration is talking about moving people from, if you will, low-value work to high-value work. Maybe talk a little bit about the workforce impact that this freedom idea, this freedom concept could have from your perspective of, hey, we're not going to need these people to make sure, as you said, give your weekends back, but, but maybe talk broadly about the impact on the workforce that this concept can have.
0: Yeah, I think it's an exciting concept when it comes to personal growth and career growth. Professionals in IT want to invent. They want to create and they want to build new things. And I think over the course of the last you know, couple of decades, really, you know the, the industry has shifted from a lot of technical complexity and the need to be highly technically able across different siloed environments, whether it be networking, whether it be storage, whether it be compute, virtualization. So when you bring that all together, it's an opportunity then for the IT professional to have the freedom, if you will, to evolve their career. So why can't they become that cloud architect or be that cloud strategist? that becomes now a far more effective service provider, if you will, to others within their organization, most notably being application developers, right? And so app developers are looking for time to market. They want highly elastic, readily available, consume by what you need, by the drink, if you will. And uh, they are looking for that kind of speed. If you're hampered down by a legacy environment, IT professionals have had a difficult time being able to be responsive to those app developers. And then the app developers then, say, turn to public cloud A or public cloud B. And that gives them time to market. But if that continues, you start to see more dispersion of applications and the critical data of which they carry And that can create a lot of challenges. And so we see as an opportunity here for IT to step back, and I mentioned earlier, reclaim that strategic position to say, hey, app developers, hey, line of business, hey, different branch of government, we can help you deliver very rapidly the compute services that you need, virtualize your application development, do that with one-click simplicity, And then that grows their career because then they're not looking at the blinking lights or the ones that stop blinking and trying to figure out how to get them to blink again. Instead, they're offering up different consumption models rapidly, for other parts of the organization to go out and get things done. And I think that's a great example of what uh you know the US government and other governments around the world are looking to enable. It's how do you raise up the value of the work and the time that the professionals looking to deliver here and speed things up in the process.
1: Ben, this has been a fascinating discussion of, of the concept. We're almost out of time for this segment. But before I let you go, is this concept, again, we're talking at a very high level, hey, the freedom to do this, the freedom to do that, but is this actually happening anywhere? Is Nutanix taking this, if you will, theory and, and applying it somewhere?
0: Yeah, Jason, you know, it really is. You know, one example that immediately pops to mind is a major home improvement retail customer of ours. And they're able to exercise a lot of new freedoms now since they've been working with us. First of all, they've been able to modernize their own data center environments. uh, And they've been able to do so in a way that they've leverage our software and have had the freedom to be able to deploy our software on their hardware server platforms that they already have investments in. So at a base level, there's already some freedom being exercised there that they can leverage existing hardware investment and introduce some radical simplicity in terms of hyperconvergence of storage network compute. So they're enabling a far more modernized private cloud environment. And the way that's brought to life in terms of their operations is kind of like I was talking about before with IT professionals being able to better serve application developers. In this particular case, uh, the infrastructure team with this new hyper-converged environment for their data centers, uh, they actually kind of surprised their app development team. They moved some of the key new developing applications over onto this new hyper-converged data center environment, and they didn't tell them. And the app development team immediately noticed that their applications were performing far better. The team provided them with this new portal that they could see all the different analytics and the status of their, their workloads and how they were running, and they were absolutely thrilled. They said, wow, I want more of that, and they were able to get more compute, enterprise compute uh, resource immediately provisioned to them, and they were overjoyed by that, so then they had the freedom to run and build and develop workloads in a very fast, agile fashion. And it got to the point where they were, uh, they were basically asking the IT team, we want more of the Nutanix because they actually didn't know about our company yet because they're about application building, but now they do because the customer's infrastructure team was able to build and replicate a radically simplified public cloud-like consumption model Within their own walls. And for many of these application developers, that worked great. Now, many of them will still look to build other new applications out in public clouds. But then that's where the freedom to be able to run different workloads on the right cloud platform with the right economics or the right performance metrics comes into play.
1: Excellent description. Excellent example. I think that's really helpful because it really puts some down to earth, you know, rubber meets the road versus just this ethereal, hey, do have this freedom. So Ben, thank you very much. Ben Gibson is the chief marketing officer for Nutanix. Ben, thank you so much for taking the time today for joining us. Jason, thank you very much for having me. You have to take a sick break. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix, on federalnewsradio.com, 1500 AM.
3: Eight years after the Federal Cloud First initiative, a certain universal truth has emerged. Success in cloud is not a one-size-fits-all proposition. A recent survey revealed that 59% of federal agencies plan to increase their use of private cloud over the next two years. Results from that same survey noted that organizations realize the greatest cost savings and IT agility when using a hybrid cloud model. Nutanix gives agencies the freedom to manage hybrid cloud complexity with ease. With the enterprise cloud, you can combine the agility and simplicity of the public cloud with the security and control you need in a private cloud. No more lock-in, spiraling costs, and data governance issues. To learn more about how Nutanix can free you from IT complexity, visit Nutanix.com freedom.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix, on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm Jason Miller. You just heard from Ben Gibson, the Chief Marketing Officer for Nutanix. And now let's turn the conversation over to Chris Howard, the Vice President of Public Sector for Nutanix, to continue the discussion around freedom. Now, Chris, one thing that we learned from Ben was was the kind of the 50,000-foot view of what freedom is, how it works, why is it important, and why Nutanix thinks this is really the direction that not just... The public sector is going, but really the, the the broader technology industry is heading. So let's focus maybe a little more on what we'll call the local trends, the federal trends. Why is freedom so important? Why do we have to worry about things like vendor lock-in anymore? And, and tell me why is it, you know, generally speaking, why does it matter?
2: As far as vendor lock-in is concerned, it's it's definitely a risk that's present in the way that uh, the federal government acquires and implements technology in their environments. And at the end of the day, it, it, it really matters to us because it reduces the customers choice of what they want to use, when they want to use it, and and if they're getting it for the best price. So if you if you think about it, there's a couple different ways how lock in can impact the federal IT enterprise. The first is we're spending more than ever on IT. And innovation has brought so much new technology to bear that the cost from an acquisition perspective, is actually going down. So you know, you sit there and you think, well, why are we spending more? And one of the main reasons is that we're we're constantly trying to um, modernize the the infrastructure within the federal. Uh, government, And that's just an ongoing act where we're trying to modernize. But the problem that they run into is that we're still paying the majority of our budget for legacy uh, IT system support. So that gets in the way of our ability to innovate. And, and a lot of that has to do with just being locked into some of the larger incumbent vendors out there. And it's hard to move off. Customers don't necessarily have the training and the skill sets to move to the innovative technology. So those are some of the things that I see that are going on at least as it relates to what are the problems that are caused by vendor lock-in.
1: Do you get a sense that vendor lock-in is still happening? We remember talking about that when we were worried about proprietary software, when we were worried about proprietary hardware. But there's been this major push, I'd say, over the last decade plus for interoperability, for open standards. When you visit your federal customers, do they complain or do they talk about something? You're going, wow, you're locked in
2: examples of that. Specific to what you just asked, yeah, I think there's, there's a tremendous amount of a lock-in that's still happening, and you can see that, and it's evident every day in some of the RFPs that have restrictive language in it around specifications that uh, prohibit some of the new and innovative and disruptive technologies from even participating in some of these large-scale acquisitions. So, simple answer, yes. And I think the the most noticeable one today is is this Jedi acquisition, right? They're they're looking at doing a, a sole source contract to a single cloud vendor, whichever that ends up being. But that alone, right there, is is pretty significant lock in, and that's one that's front and center, not only from us looking at it, but also it caught the eye of Congress, and they're writing language in there. And this all goes back to what a lot of us in the industry are saying, specific to Jedi, is that the majority of IT organizations out there, especially on the commercial side, are using a multi cloud approach. So any way we can try to avoid that vendor lock-in because it is happening not only in these large-scale acquisitions, but in everyday activities around uh, restrictive specifications and RFPs. So um, yes, we see it on a daily basis.
1: I remember years ago, there was a lot of concern over vendor lock-in on the chip, right? Right? Was it an Intel chip? Was it an AMD chip? You also Mm -hmm. see very similar discussions around routers and switches, whether it's Cisco or Juniper or whomever. But for cloud, do you think that that's, it's a mentality thing that just has shifted? You know, one time it was chips and then it was routers and switches, and now it's cloud, it's it's that mentality that agencies just haven't been able to kind of get off of? Is that why we're seeing lock-in or or concerns about lock-in?
2: Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it, and that was a great example around the chipsets, and I think we've evolved, and there are opportunities for different chipset players, and there should be other opportunities for all the cloud vendors, or as you mentioned, the routing and switch vendors, right? Everybody wants openness, and everybody wants the ability to compete, but unfortunately, there's, there's a legacy mindset approach that we run into, and that's evident in that, I don't know what the exact number is today, but I, I said it earlier, uh, I think it's around 75% of the IT budget in the federal government is spent on legacy systems. So the modernization effort is something that that uh, you know we're trying to push and a lot of vendors are trying to push and there's also um, legislation that's a, that's been made out there that that brings this to bear. You have the Modernization of Government IT Act, you have the Data Center Optimization Initiative. You have agencies like DDS and DIUX. So there's plenty of Things that are happening that would lead you to believe that uh, that we're moving down the right path, but I, I still think there's a lot of work to be done, and the, and the government's doing everything they can with uh, with the people they have. And I think the last thing that I would say, and it's probably one of the most important, is that we need to in the government we need to work to invest in our people. They need to be trained, educated, and help them develop the skills that lead to this evolution evolution of
1: IT. We could have a conversation about workforce probably for the the, the remainder of our, our discussion here, but before we maybe head down the work discussion when you talk about this idea of modernization and where does this Nutanix idea of freedom come in how does it get you out of vendor lock-in how does it change the perspective and change the culture and, and help people think about something different or new
2: yeah so the whole thing about this this freedom is is we want you to be able to to build an application, run that application wherever you want, whether it 's a new application or an old application um, and that means run it on prem run it in a hybrid environment or rub it run it in a public cloud environment right now, it seems that the approach is either one or the other there doesn 't seem to be this uh, this uh, this approach that allows this openness and freedom to to run the application wherever you want in whatever manner you want um, and get the cost you want. So I think that's just the mindset that has to change. Everyone's looking for a silver bullet, right? you got a lot of people saying that, nope, public cloud, and it should be one cloud. You've got a lot of people that say, no, it should be on-prem, and it should be this technology. Nutanix takes the approach that we want it to be open. We want it to be able to run on whatever hardware infrastructure you want, because that's probably the least important. That's, that's you know, similar to plumbing in your house. You shouldn't have to care or worry about it. We want, to be able to, we want you to be able to use whatever hypervisor you want. And we also want you to be able to run your application in any cloud that you want with the freedom to move it anytime you want based on security, based on cost, um, whatever it is, governance. But you need to have the freedom to, to, to move and be flexible. Um, but it appears that you know we're trying to find the silver bullet that just causes or solves every problem, and there really isn't one that exists. And that's where the whole freedom message comes from
1: what kind of advice would you give to agencies who are trying to implement this you know whether it's your concept of freedom or just this more broad discussion that we're trying to have around IT modernization and having that openness what what are some suggestions you would give to agencies as they're de- developing acquisitions for instance just recently uh, the USDA and, and GSA talked about their Phase 2 for the Centers of Excellence approach, and they're developing their applications now. I mean, if you could get, you know, an hour with the GSA, USDA folks, and, and as they're moving toward this idea of, of modernization, what were some some advice you'd give them?
2: Well, one is, and this, is, this may be difficult to, to solve uh, just because of time and, and money, but but really test out these new innovative and disruptive approaches. A lot of times companies that are newer to the market and don't have a, a lot of legacy dealings with the government, they're not even allowed to participate. So potentially either doing that testing or that piloting in-house or use one of the uh, you know the federally funded uh, research organizations that exist out there, which is their main job, right? Their main job is to test new and disruptive uh, technologies and offer that from a reporting standpoint back to government agencies. Um, So I think that would be one approach. Another approach is, you know, we always encourage our customers to talk to, our federal customers to talk to other federal customers that are doing sort of like type of projects, figure out what they did from a best practice. Did they test different technologies? Do they have those test results? Can they share those test results? So I think the more and more that they collaborate across different agencies, I think the better they are. Chris,
1: this has been a fascinating conversation. Unfortunately, we're just about out of time. So uh, in sticking with tradition, uh, I'm going to ask you for show, I'm going to ask you for a show three preview, and I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. So let's start with show three. What should we look out for in episode three?
2: I think one of the main discussion points is going to be that, uh, from a government perspective, we're seeing them to really start evaluate and considering the cost of cloud adoption. Whereas in the past, uh, you know, especially a number of years ago with cloud first, it was just moved to the cloud. It's perceived to be cheaper, but I think at this point the government's really starting to understand that it may not be cheaper, but there are ways to use on-prem cloud and a hybrid to get the most cost benefit, and that's probably what we'll be talking about a lot in the next segment.
1: Excellent. I look forward to it. And now here's your homework. There's been some news around JEDI back in uh, the June timeframe, and uh, the CIO of DOD is taking over JEDI. Uh, So I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to give you some time to think about this. What is your prediction around the DOD JEDI cloud program? So there's your homework, Chris. And unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix, on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. I'd like to thank my guests today, Ben Gibson, the Chief Marketing Officer for Nutanix, and Chris Howard, the Vice President of Public Sector for Nutanix. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search IT Innovation Insider.
0: Thank you for listening to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix for Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Today's episode can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com, keyword NTNX.